This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Well, that was certainly something. The Houston Astros win game six in the bottom of the ninth inning on a walk-off home run by Jose Altuve. Look, this is a, a very difficult instant reaction podcast to do for game six of the ALCS because I don't know who the hell is listening. I have no idea if a Yankee fan is actually saying to themselves, let me hear Evan, a Met fan, react, geekily break down game six of the ALCS when I never want to watch baseball again because you're depressed with how this game went. And I don't know if it's Met fans listening thinking I'm going to dance on the grave of the New York Yankees, which I got to warn you, I'm not going to do. This was painful. Uh, I have compassion. I'm a compassionate guy. You got the tease of DJ LeMayhew hitting a home run in the ninth inning as the Yankees are down to their final two outs before elimination. You get Chapman coming into the ninth inning, striking out Martin Maldonado, getting Reddick to pop up, and then just missing against George Springer, walking him on five pitches, and... I got to tell you, I had a bad feeling when Altuve came up. We know how clutch Altuve is. He's actually been productive in this game. He was on base a couple of times. He had that double that started the rally in the first inning. And you were just afraid if Chapman fell behind, which he did, Jose Altuve, who's had a great power year like everybody else in baseball, could do what he did, and that's turn it over and hit one of the seats in left center field. And so if you're a Yankee fan right now, I have no idea why you'd be listening to this. But, all right, you are, for whatever reason. Maybe you waited a couple of days. I'm going to break this thing down as best I could. The New York Yankees lost the American League Championship Series because outside of DJ LeMayhew hitting that home run in the ninth inning, they didn't get enough big hits. That's the bottom line. You know, we could sit here all day and talk about they don't have an ace. They didn't match up with Cole and Verlander. Look, that's not why they lost this series. They lost this series, and essentially they lost this game too because they didn't hit enough. It's very, very simple. And they also were playing catch-up from the get-go. You know, you're facing Brad Peacock, and it was so odd seeing Brad Peacock start this game because of the fact he got the last three outs in the ninth inning the night before. So we saw something so unorthodox in this bullpen game of Peacock versus Green for five minutes. And look, he dominated in the first inning. That wasn't the problem. The problem was Chad Green because Chad Green, who has done a very good job as the opener this season, put them behind the eight ball before your ass was comfortable in the seat. We mentioned Altuve, how productive he was. He hits that double. He walks Alex Bregman and Julie Gurriel, and I think John Smoltz even said it on the broadcast, and it's so true. Julie Gurriel's had a bad ALCS, but if you've watched every one of his at-bats, he's hit a few balls right on a line. He's been hitting in a bad luck. And so not that I thought he was going to hit a three-run home run, 
but you're afraid of Julie Gurriel. He's not like your Dan Alvarez, who's just a, um, I mean, he's a strikeout. He's a walking strikeout. He's a left-handed Edwin Encarnacion. Don't worry, we'll get into him later. But Chad Green put them behind the eight ball. But even still, even with Gurriel hitting that home run and the Yankees being down 3 nothing, this is a bullpen day. You're not facing Justin Verlander. You're not facing Garrett Cole. You're not even facing Zach Greinke if you want to put him in the class of a top-line starting pitcher. You're not facing Joe Smith right away. You're not facing Will Harris right away. And even though they hit him in this game, they weren't facing Roberto Asuna right away. You're facing Brad Peacock. You're facing Josh James. You're facing a guy in Ryan Presley who's fallen off after his dominant first half of the year. You're facing a rookie who's thrown how many innings in Jose Urquidy? The Yankees needed to hit those guys. Plain and simple. They needed to hit those guys. And I get that when you get to the playoffs, you, for the most part, will face elite pitching. You're going to face better pitching than what you faced during the course of 162. Totally get that. But I just went through the names of the guys the Yankees had a chance to hit. You have to hit those guys. You can't manage two runs, two runs against Peacock, James, Presley, or Quiddy. I'm even excluding Will Harris and Joe Smith and Roberto Osuna, who they did eventually hit. You got to hit those guys. And the Yankees didn't. And they had opportunities. And I think that's the thing that kills you. They had plenty of opportunities. Now, let's go to the second inning. Brett Gardner got screwed. All right? That at bat. And remember, right after Gary Sanchez comes through with the RBI single, the Yankees are putting together a two-out rally. Gio draws a walk, and Brett Gardner comes up. And home plate umpire Marvin Hudson was just abysmal, and he was all over the place. And I think he missed two or three pitches in that at-bat. And so Brett Gardner had a right to be pissed off because who knows where that inning goes. Gardner actually had a pretty good day at the plate in a base hit in the fourth inning, just missed a home run by a few inches, and he got robbed on one of a few great defensive plays in this game. The one he got robbed on was by Josh Reddick. So that was just awful, awful umpiring. But nevertheless, the Yankees had an opportunity. I think the worst one, and there are some bad ones, of the missed opportunities was the third inning. Because... And I like the move. A.J. Hinch decides, let me go to Ryan Presley, one of my right-handed reverse split guys, to get Didi with the bases loaded and two out. And at this point, it's 3-1. to one. And remember, it stayed 3-1 to one for a little bit of time before the Yankees cut into it. Then the Astros tacked on a run. Very low-scoring game, which I don't think any of us saw coming. But Didi is up with the bases loaded and two outs. And this was a trend we were going to see in this game. Hacking at the first pitch in a big spot with a new pitcher on the mound. And that's what Didi did. And what did he do? He rolled it over. Little little ground ball weakly towards first. It was actually fielded by Presley. And he injured his knee, re-injured his knee as he tagged him out. I don't know if Hinch was going to keep him in the game. He probably was. He was probably going to try to steal three more outs from Ryan Presley. But that is a moment. And there were so many in this series and so many in this game that you have to get back. you got to come through occasionally, and the Yankees didn't, for the most part. Obviously, the exception being DJ in the ninth inning. They had another chance in the fourth inning against Urquidy. Urshela, who had a great game. I mean, I, I honestly suggested... <laughs> I honestly suggested 
during the Saturday show, and I had my reasons for thinking it, hey, Gio's 0 for his last 13, get Giancarlo in the lineup, I still trust Edwin, sit Gio Urshela. Oh, my God. Edwin sucked. Oh, my. How bad was Edwin Encarnacion in this game and in this series? And he was reinserted in the lineup. Luckily, Aaron Boone kept Gio Urshela in the lineup because he was on base all four times. And as we know, he's a very good defensive third baseman. That That's not a surprise. Him getting on base four times, that's a little bit of a surprise. But they had a chance in that inning. LeMahieu flied out. Judge struck out. Then Urquidy really settled in. And he pitched a 1-2-3 fifth inning. And then you get the back-to-back innings of Astro marvelous defensive plays. Josh Reddick makes the diving catch against Brett Gardner with two on and one out. He doesn't make that play, and he's diving for it. That could be an inside-the-park home run. Or he traps it, he boots it a little bit, and the Yankees either get a run in or the bases are loaded and there's one out for D.J. LeMahieu. But... That trend. Let's go to the bullpen, which they did for Will Harris to face LeMahieu. And even DJ gets into it by swinging at the first pitch and hitting a ground ball to shortstop. But the defensive play that really kicked you in the balls was obviously the play by Michael Brantley. Now, Brantley made a great play. You tip your hat on the sinking little fly ball by Aaron Hicks with a runner on first and one out. But I'm about to do something that we rarely, rarely do. But I try to be fair, and I try to be honest. I'm about to rip Aaron Judge, all right? We don't do this very often, but what the hell is Aaron Judge doing? He is standing on second base as Brantley's making that play. You've got to be halfway. What is he thinking? Is he thinking, boy, i got to get to third base if this falls? Look, it'd be great if you get to third base if it falls. I get that. You're down by two runs. You're not down by one run, and you cannot be doubled up on that play. And, well, we know what happened. Brantley made the play, made a good one-hop throw to first base, and that killed that inning. And I think most of us, and I tweeted it, most of us had to think there's no way they're winning this game. There's just no way. They can't get a big hit. Twice they roll the ball over on a first pitch against a reliever with men on base. And the Astros, who are a great team, I think we all understand that. That's not breaking news made incredible defensive plays. And they tacked on another one because in the eighth inning when Gary Sanchez is up, he grounds into a double play in which Carlos Correa makes an incredible throw to first base after Altuve made the play. So three straight innings, Reddick diving catch in the sixth, Brantley diving catch on the double play and the seventh, and then obviously the great turn on the double play against Gary Sanchez in the eighth inning all the while I mean how could you kill Yankee pitching outside of Chad Green who gives up the three runs early the Yankees are keeping this game close now this is the kind of game where you can second guess everything and I admit and I said this before the game or early on in this game I tweeted it that if you don't have a dog in this fight and I should have prefaced if you don't have a dog in this fight because if you do you're stressed out like no you're stressed out over every little thing but as a baseball fan, as much as I like the ace versus the ace, the great starter versus the great starter, there was something very different and kind of cool about a full-fledged bullpen game where you can first guess and second guess every single pitching move that's made. With that said, 
there wasn't a lot that I hated out of Aaron Boone and the way he handled his pitching. I don't have an issue with Chad Green in the first inning. He just failed. That's the bottom line. Even when he walks Alex Bregman, am I taking Chad Green out when Gurriel is up? Not really. Chad Green failed. He goes to J-Hap next. He gets the one, two, three second. Has a relatively clean 30. Walked the leadoff hitter, but got through it. Would I have allowed Hap to start the fourth? Probably, yeah. But he goes to Luis Sessa, of all people, who pitched well a few games ago, and he actually pitched well again. He had a one, two, three, fourth. He got through the fifth inning after the Maldonado bun single because they turned a double play. And I had no issue taking Sessa out after two. I had more of an issue with taking Hap out after two than Sessa because I think with a guy like Sessa, you say, okay, great. I got two scoreless out of him. I got the heart of the order coming up. Let me get him the hell out of here. The problem was, and this is not to blame Aaron Boone today, it's just the one of the overall problems you can take out of this Yankee season is that when you're that reliant on your bullpen and you're that reliant on your bullpen in a short series, guys are going to look tired. And there's no doubt Tommy Canely looked tired. Was Tommy Canely the guy to go to in that sixth inning? Yes, he was. But he looked beat. But give Tommy Canely credit. It could have been worse. First of all, when there's runners on first and third and nobody out and Alex Bregman comes up, I don't know what Didi's doing. Didi's got to turn the double play. Or come home, cut off the lead run. Because I was thinking that too. At that point in the game, it's a 3-2 to two game. I know you have to have some faith in your offense, but you only have nine outs to play with. Am I really willing to take two outs to give up a run and fall behind by two? So I think I may have played DD in to try to cut off that lead run. Either way, they don't cut off the lead run, and they don't turn the double play. And that was the inning where Gary Sanchez could have had just an epic moment that would have made him, and I'm sure he'll get crushed by Yankee fans anyway, but it could have been worse because he commits the pass ball on the strikeout by strikeout to Carlos Correa. But this is where I give Tommy Canely a ton of credit. As gassed as he looked, as tired as he looked, he got through it. And so even though he should have gotten out of the inning when he struck out Correa and Sanchez committed the pass ball, he strikes out Jordan Alvarez, who, oh my God, how awful was he? Whoo! I mean, the Astros at this point should say, no thanks on the DH. We will let our pitchers hit. Jordan Alvarez, for a guy that's going to win the Rookie of the Year, that had just a ridiculous offensive season, he has looked helpless at the plate. And and I was even sort of surprised A.J. Hinch started him today. I figured, you know what? He'd pull the plug on him. He finally did pull the plug on him in the eighth inning with the bases loaded by pinch hitting form with Almedas Diaz. And I'm curious, as the World Series starts, even though the Nationals have some real tough right-handers like Strasburg, like Scherzer, even Anibal Sanchez, I think once they get to Sanchez, though, it'll be in the National League ballpark, so there's no decision to make. But as long as they're in the American League, you're going to play Jordan Alvarez at DH? He looked helpless. But Canely, to his credit, got through the inning. Now, here's my critique on Boone. And it worked. But I always tell you, I always want to be honest about my first guesses, even if they don't work out badly or goodly or however you want to define it. Goodly. Yeah, that's right. It's after midnight. It was a five-hour baseball game. It wasn't really a five-hour game. More like a four-and-a-half-hour game. How do you go to Adam Adovino? How do you do it? I know it's 8-9-1. and one. I know that, obviously, you've already used Happ and Sessa and Canely. 
But what I would have done there was Britain. I would have said, hey, balls to the wall, man. Season's on the line. I got to go Britain and, Britain and Chapman to try to get me nine outs, maybe more, maybe 12 outs. He goes to Adovino, but it worked. Adovino pitched a 1-2-3 inning. So that was the one move he made from a pitching standpoint that I really didn't like. Would have I stretched half for a third inning? Probably, but that wasn't, you know, rip my hair out bad. I thought going to Adam Adovino was rip your hair out bad. But Adovino delivered. He pitched a 1-2-3 inning. Zach Britton looked tired, but he got through the eighth inning. Now, we go to the ninth. Look, what is there to say other than DJ LeMahieu had an outstanding 2019 for the New York Yankees? He's not going to win the MVP. He will get some votes. He was a rock star for the New York Yankees in 2019, and he gave you that one last shot. First, it started with Urshela, who, I mean, throw the bouquets at Gio Urshela getting on base four times in this game to start the rally against Roberto Osuna, who the Yankees haven't been able to get to. And after Gardner strikes out, DJ goes to work. Foul ball, foul ball, foul ball, foul ball. Tenth pitch of the at-bat. Hits the home run to right field. Springer tried to make a leaping catch. He came close. Who cares that he came close? He flat out missed it. And there is that moment where I'm sure if you're a Yankee fan, and I, I again, I don't know if you're listening to this right now, Yankee fans. I think this is just Met fans or baseball fans hoping I'm going to turn and dance on graves. I'm not dancing on graves. Not what I'm doing. Okay? Not happening. Anyway, that was a moment where you start to envision, oh, my God. Oh, my God. This is going to be a home run I'm going to remember forever. They're going to win this game. They're going to beat Cole in Game 7. And when we're sitting there at the parade, we're going to think about DJ as the Yankees were down to their final two outs. What scared me was what was going to happen next. Because I always say this, and, and Joe, Joe laughs and gets annoyed when I say after a Met closer blows a save, but doesn't blow the game completely, just blows the lead and it's tied. Hey, it could have been worse. It's really important to get out of that inning with the game tied and not fall behind. That's exactly what I thought. After the shock and awe kind of waved off from LeMayhew's home run, my thought process is the Astros have got to find a way to get these two outs, get the hell out of this inning, and now you've got an incredible advantage. You're tied. It's the ninth inning or extra innings if the game continues, and you're in your own building, and the Yankees are about to use their last bullet. They have no bullet left after a roll this Chapman. After Chapman, you've got Ben Heller, you've got Jonathan Loisega, you've got Tyler Lyons, and I guess they've got Luis Severino, who Aaron Boone said could be available in this game because, you know, what are you saving them for? Game seven? There may not be a game seven. Obviously, there's not a game seven. So what was really, really important was Osuna striking out Aaron Judge. What was really, really important was getting Glaber Torres to fly out to left field and get out of it and just get it to the bottom of the ninth, get it to your offense, and reapply the pressure to the New York Yankees. So it was an incredible moment. If you're a Yankee fan, you're jumping out of your seat. You're getting this reprieve. 
But those two batters, and if I'm a Yankee fan, I'm thinking the exact opposite. I got to get a run in. I got to take that lead because think about it. You don't take the lead, which you don't do. You hand the ball to Chapman. You say, okay, fine. Get these three outs. Get me to the 10th inning. And even if you score in the 10th inning, you're going to need Chapman to go through the heart of the order again. You're going to need Chapman to get another inning or else you're going to go rely on somebody that you don't trust, whether it's Jonathan Loisega or it's Tyler Lyons or maybe it is Luis Severino. And then you'll worry about tomorrow night when you when you get to tomorrow night, if you get to tomorrow night. Now, that ninth inning, look, Chapman strikes out Martin Maldonado. I don't think any of us thought Maldonado had a chance. He got Josh Reddick to pop up. I don't think any of us thought Josh Reddick had a chance. But you can't walk George Springer in front of Jose Altuve and then fall behind Jose Altuve. And obviously he hits the two-run home run. The Astros win. They win the series. They're going to the World Series. And for the first time in my entire life, at least I think for the first time in my entire life, I correctly predicted a World Series from spring training. (laughs) So I'd like to take a bow on that. I mean, I got a lot of other things very, very wrong. But this is an accomplishment I've waited for for a very long time. Because as a child, and I wish my parents kept this, but they probably didn't. They kept a lot of stuff. They didn't keep this. I used to write down my predictions even even as a child. I would just write them down. And the one prediction I remember that stuck out was in 1999 I picked the Met Yankee World Series and I remember obviously I came pretty close the Yankees won the American League and the Mets forced a game six against the Atlanta Braves but the next year it was a Met Yankee World Series so I was a year early on a World Series production other than that I mean picking a World Series it's tough especially when you know you try not to just Pick what you think are the two best teams or the obvious choices. Even though in baseball, there are no obvious choices. I guess in the late 90s, the obvious choice would always be Yankees-Braves. The Astros were a not an obvious choice, but a, clearly a favorite. The Nationals, it was more the Bryce Harper juju, I was thinking. You know, that whole thing about him leaving Washington. And, okay, now they go on their run. Now they end up in the World Series. But enough about that. My initial reaction to this game ending the way it did, to the Yankees losing this series in six to the Astros, and the inevitable question Yankee fans are going to ask themselves, what do we have to do to get better? What do we have to do to beat the Houston Astros? And there will be a podcast. We'll do a Yankee off-season preview podcast like we did last year. We'll get Yankee fans in. They'll kind of list out what they want to do during the offseason. I, as a baseball fan, will list out the things I think they should do like we did last year. My number one guy was Michael Brantley. The irony of that. (laughs) That was the guy I thought they should target. And, well, all right, you, you get the point. But here's the difficulty of that question. To answer it minutes now after the Yankees lost game six to the Astros. Other than adding an ace, which is obvious, What can they really do to get better? And the whole ace thing, which, look, I agree with it. Look at the two teams that are playing in the World Series. Teams that feature Max Scherzer, Steven Strasburg, Justin Verlander, Garrett Cole, Zach Greinke, Patrick Corbin. I mean, these are two teams with elite starting pitching. 
elite starting pitching. So I don't think there's any doubt that that should be the focus and that should be the thing we're all talking about for the next few months. Adding Garrett Cole, adding Steven Strasburg, going after big-time aces and going after arms. But that's not why they lost this series. The Yankee pitching was not why they lost this series. Go through the games. Now, granted, did they only get two starts in which their starting pitchers went deep into games? Sure. Tanaka in game one, in which he could have gone longer, and Paxton in game five, which I think will do a a lot for James Paxton's reputation going into year two as a Yankee. I think there's going to be a trust in James Paxton. But that's not why they lost. They didn't lose because of bullpenning. I understand that bullpenning and relying heavily on your bullpen is a dangerous game. No doubt about it. And we went through it, what the risks are. You've got the same pitchers facing the same hitters day after day after day. Or seeing them get gassed like we saw today. But the one guy that shouldn't have been gassed is our oldest Chapman, and he's the guy that gave up the game. But pitching wasn't why they lost this series. They lost this series because they couldn't get the big hit. That's why they lost this series. It's easy to define. And you look, you can also say, hey, Ev, they also lost this series because the Astros are just better. That the Yankees are really good. That the Yankees may be the second best team in baseball. But the Astros are better. And that's true. And that's fair. The Astros are better. But fixing clutch hitting is not something that you can just, you know, okay, sign this guy. He's clutch. Didi Gregorius has been clutch. He wasn't in the postseason. Aaron Judge has had clutch moments. He wasn't outside of the home run he hit against Justin Verlander in this American League Championship Series. So how do you fix that? Look, we get it. Edwin Encarnacion isn't going to be back. I can't imagine any Yankee fan wanting to look at him after his performance in this LCS and certainly his performance tonight. But it's not quantifiable. It's not something you can bag up. How do you fix clutch hitting? You fix clutch hitting by guys being clutch, by guys performing better. Guys didn't perform well enough. Guys on offense, guys that contributed to what was in a tremendous offensive season by the New York Yankees, they weren't good enough. And guess what? The Houston Astros didn't do it either. Because it's not like the Astros were lighting it up. And The argument of, well, yeah, teams didn't hit because they're facing really good pitching works some of the time. It didn't work in this game because in this game, both the Astros and Yankees were throwing guys like Chad Green, Jay Happ, Luis Sessa, Ryan Presley, Josh James, Tommy Canely, Brad Peacock, Jose Urquidy. Is that elite? Is that top level? Is that the kind of pitching that the cliche says stops good hitting? No, it's not. So sure, with Verlander it works, even with James Paxton the other night it works, but it doesn't work on a game like this. I mean, that, that it, really, it really doesn't work. One thing that really surprised me, though, was Edwin Encarnacion. Uh, Edwin's a pro. Edwin's had a really good career, and Edwin Encarnacion is a guy who can miss a lot of time, show up in the divisional series, and hit the cover off the ball. But what we saw over the last week was a was a bad Edwin Encarnacion, was a slumping Edwin Encarnacion, and the guy we saw in Game 6 was just brutal. Outside of the walk he drew that chased Josh James, he was a strikeout machine. Now, why did he play tonight? 
Why did he play in Game 6? He played in Game 6 because Aaron Boone gave an explanation for why Giancarlo Stanton wasn't playing that is so weak and so awful and so disturbing that every Yankee fan has to think about this line throughout this offseason. That Aaron Boone said Giancarlo Stanton came out of yesterday's game. Of course, that would be game five. Fine, but with the travel and the quick turnaround, the Yankees didn't want to push his strained quad too hard. What? What? If your answer for not playing Giancarlo Stanton is simply, hey, we just think Edwin's better right now. Edwin's, yeah, we, we, we feel good about him breaking out of it. Fine. The travel, the turnaround, we don't want to push it too hard. The guy would have an entire offseason to get over a restrained quad if they pushed it too hard. That kind of answer is weak. That kind of answer is BS. And I don't know if Giancarlo is going to be whipping boy number one for this offseason. He probably shouldn't be. But this whole disaster of the last few days with him looks weak. Weak that they kept him on the roster. Weak that they never used him as a pinch hitter. Weak that he played one freaking game. And then after they won that game, he doesn't come out and play game six because they don't want to push it too hard. The whole thing was incredibly weak. Now, if you're a Yankee fan, you're still tuning in. Let me do you this favor. Marvin Hudson sucked behind home plate, okay? He was bad. And yes, it felt like most of the calls were going against the Yankees. So there you go. That should make you feel good. And Joe Buck, don't tell me a story about how, boy, there were plane issues, and these umpires didn't get in until 11 a.m., so they're really, really tired. I'm sure every baseball fan watching wants to hear about the umpires are tired. That's why they're terrible, because they're tired. Give me a break. Congratulations to the Houston Astros. They were a great team in the regular season. Uh, they were just a, They were just good enough. <laughs> to beat the Yankees in this series four games to two. They advance to their second World Series in three years. And as a baseball fan, it sets up a very intriguing World Series between big-time arms, all set up rather nicely. The Nationals against the Astros. And one geeky observation, just the second time in baseball history that two expansion teams will face each other in the World Series. The only other time that happened, a World Series I'd rather not discuss. The net, the Mets against the Royals in 2015. Either way, thanks for listening to this instant reaction game six of the ALCS edition of the Evan Roberts podcast. Coming next week, the Brooklyn Nets roundtable season preview. Thanks for listening.